Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben, I'm an alcoholic and addict. Welcome back to the Sober Solutions podcast. Tonight's topic is about surrender. For me, surrender is one of the toughest subjects, um, but it's the most crucial. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my story tonight. And really, it's one of um, not just surrender, but acceptance. You know, there's a line in the big book that says there was always one more attempt and one more failure. And really, that's what my story was. I think I mentioned last time that I've been at this for the last 10 years. Um, I will have eight months of sobriety on uh, Saturday, the 27th. uh, But for the last 10 years, I have done anything but surrender. Um, You know, when I'm out there and I'm active in my addiction, I am nothing like I am today. I am dark and I am humorless and I am scary. But now that I'm sober, I am outgoing and I am gregarious and I'm fun, or at least I think I am. Um, but really the, 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 the dichotomy between who I was and who I am today is, is so different. Um, and it and it all started. My my sober journey started when when I finally threw my hands up and I surrendered. But before I get to my the moment of when I actually surrendered, I want to talk a little bit about my last run. Um, you know, I, I started COVID, moving to a new town, and no one knew me, which was great because I got to be whoever I wanted to be. Before quarantine happened, I went out a couple times and to the local bars and tried to make friends. But, you know, really, I just wanted to see how drunk I could get those nights because no one knew how bad I could get. And I got pretty bad. Um, Quarantine happened and it was kind of a gift for me. as, as an alcoholic, as any good alcoholic, I love isolation. Um, you know, isolation for me is, was my best friend. And in quarantine, I was forced to isolate. I could drink in peace. You know, I, I really didn't have to be around other people. And for me, the idea that, you know, the less people tolerated me, the more I withdrew from society. And under quarantine, I didn't have to be around society. And that's when my drinking and drugging really took off. I don't think that I was sober a single day from the day that I was quarantined until the day that I surrendered. However, I was talking at work, talking with my my boss and my colleagues. I was presenting at work. I was driving around to grocery stores to to pick up my alcohol. I was talking to family. I was talking to a partner that I had at the time. 
Um, and I don't really recall much. Now, fast forward to the six days before I, I ultimately surrendered. I was in a six-day blackout. And at first, I didn't think that was physically possible. But to this day, I don't recall anything but two separate instances. One of those instances being that I must have hit a pothole or, or something while I was driving because I, I have this memory of trying to fix my tire and, and change the tire on my car, but being so intoxicated that another car had to pull up behind me and help me fix the tire because I just couldn't do it. I was stumbling all over the place and could barely get the car up on the jack. And fast forward a little bit, I feel like it was maybe 16, 18 hours after that, I, uh, I came out of my blackout as I was driving on the highway. And in that moment, I knew that I had a decision to make. I could either go right and take the exit and continue doing what I was doing, or I could continue driving forward, go home and make a decision to change my life. And fortunately, I decided to drive home. Um, when I got home, I started looking up different rehabs and finally found one, called my father and said, I need help, I need to go to rehab. And I, I vividly recall being in my living room, which is where I'm recording from right now, and literally throwing my hands up in the air and saying, I surrender. Now, for me, that was, that was big. Not only did it start me on my sober journey, but I am the type of person, and, and I'm not sure if you who are listening today can, can identify with this, but for me, surrender meant weakness. And I hate being a weak person. I, I saw it as less than, I saw it as undesirable. And so that word surrender really, really hit home with me and, and, and was something of a, of a really awful, awful thing. But the moment I did surrender to my disease and, and finally admit that I needed help, that I could not do this on my own, that the self-will that I was running on just wasn't doing it. The moment I surrendered was probably the most powerful moment in my sobriety because I finally took that ego hit. I finally said that I need other people. I need something else because what I was doing wasn't working. The next couple of days was, was pretty hard. Um, I detoxed here at my house. I, I don't recommend that. Um, you know, I would recommend finding a, a detox center or, or a rehab that provides that service because I was really hallucinating. Um, fortunately, my father came to visit and stay with me for a couple of days. Um, and, and I got through it, but it was tough. It was really, really tough. I finally was able to uh, take the ride down to rehab. And as I, as I went into my room and, and kind of sat there taking everything in, I 
reiterated to myself that I had to surrender my control over this disease. And fortunately, I knew enough of the program, uh, which I, I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I knew enough of that program that um, really helped me get to a point that I could start listening. I had to really open up my ears and shut my mouth because I wanted to be Captain AA. I wanted to be Captain Recovery. And, you know, I, I wanted to be that A-plus student, but this is a program, you know, addiction, at the end of my 12 steps, I didn't, I didn't get a certificate. I didn't get a gold star, and that's not what I had to be looking forward to. But in rehab, I started to listen. I started to accept. And I think, you know, for me, acceptance is such a big part of surrender. So, you know, that's, that's, that, that's my journey of surrender. You know, that's my, that's my part of, of acceptance into at least my sober journey. So, uh, Chris, you know, talk to me a little bit about, uh, what surrender means to you. Yeah, you hit uh, a few really good points, and I wrote them down. Um, the four things that I heard were what surrender is, uh, some misconceptions about surrender, um, how to physically or emotionally or spiritually practice surrender, and um, the last one was kind of the benefits of surrendering. Uh, obviously, you're eight, about eight months sober, so that's a clear benefit. Um, but yeah, I'll start. I'll start from the beginning. Um, I kind of was like you. I think, like a lot of addicts and alcoholics, I have a huge ego, and I went to rehab four years ago for the first time. And when I went there, I went to Florida this time um, four years ago. Recently, I went to South Jersey. In Florida. I think out of the 40 people that were at my rehab, I was one of two people with a job. And most of the people there at the time were very weathered, I would say. Um, they were great people. I learned a lot from them. But I didn't accept that I had a problem. Um, I didn't surrender to the fact that I was powerless. So I never got to the point where... I mean, that's basically, if you practice AA or NA, that's the first step. You have to surrender to the fact that you're powerless over this substance or whatever program you're in. So for the next three years, I was, what do they call it, a dry drunk. Um, I just was stubborn. I thought I was smarter than the disease. And I didn't work a program. I went to a few meetings here and there, but I didn't work a program. And the first time that a substance was around me, I took it. And I don't think it took three days before I was at it again. And it took about eight months to go back to rehab. I was a little different than you in the fact that I was basically forced by my family to go to rehab. I had a choice, either leave or go to rehab. So where you made, you made that right left-hand turn or right-hand turn, whatever it was, I basically was forced to go left. Um, and it took probably a week into rehab to actually surrender and admit that I had a problem. 
I think that the ego plays a huge role in it that um, I thought I was smarter than the disease. Um, I could be more persistent. I could outwit it. I could do whatever. It's just not true. So it took about a week into rehab uh, to actually to surrender the fact that I have an issue. Um, you know, the, miscon the big misconception, like you said, is that you're, you're failing at something. You're giving up. You know, it's surrendering is not giving up. In fact, it's a, it's a, I think it's a, an attribute of strength. It's admitting that we cannot do it on our own and we're seeking help. And I, I think that a lot of times anyone seeking help thinks that they're giving up or, or failing by not doing it themselves. And this could be in any aspect in their life. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, through the program, learn a few ways of practicing surrender. Uh, you can't control everybody. You can't control every outcome of a situation. You can't control the future. So for me, I surrender almost on a daily basis, or I try to each day get better at it in the fact that I can't control other people, how they react to my words, how they react to situations, how, uh, how the future is going to look. So I try to really stay present. Um, what do they say? Clean your side of the street. Yeah. Try to do that. Um, and, and honestly, it's very freeing. So for me, it's, it's a very freeing day to not worry about what, you know, John Smith is, you know, thinking about me what my family, how they react to every word I say. So I'm really trying that. And it's, like I said before, it's a very freeing feeling. Um, and that, that's, that goes to the last point that you hit on, which is the benefits. Um, before I was constantly projecting out the future. I was constantly worrying about what everyone thought of me. If, I, if they thought I was successful enough, if they thought I was good looking enough, if they thought I was this or that or I have a big case of keeping up with the Joneses and I'm slowly getting better at just not caring and being true to myself. So gotcha. that's kind of my uh, practice with surrender okay. right now. Thanks, Chris. Um, ben, you know, I have, a, I have a quick question for you. You know, this is your, your first time going into the program. You know, you don't have relapse as part of your story. So talk to me a little bit about how you know that you have fully surrendered. Um, the, uh, I just want to, when Chris, when you were talking about having trouble surrendering, it, yeah, a, a married man having difficulty surrendering on a daily basis is shocker. I, <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, that's the hardest you know, one to surrender to. I've got to say. <laughs> in all our affairs, or don't forget yeah. it. Um, surrender for me, I didn't know what I didn't know I was surrendering until probably a couple of weeks ago. I didn't realize when I actually surrendered. Um, it was it was similar to your story, Jason. In in that you know I um, I was detoxing at home. Um, and it was about a week and a half between when I stopped drinking and when I went to rehab and, and the, my, my ex-wife was out of the house, the, my daughters weren't there. And I just went into their room kind of realizing that I, like, like 
this is different. And, and again, at this point, I had no idea I was an alcoholic. I went into rehab not understanding that I was an alcoholic. Uh, and 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 I was and I just threw myself on my daughter's bed. It was just hysterically crying and just kind of yelling it's no one in particular if I had only known. And it, it's funny looking back now, the, the, if I had only known, I used to literally do laps around from my office to my kitchen, back to my office, in the in the early morning hours, you know, trying to not take another take a drink, trying to not start drinking. Like if I had only known, like uh, you know, and, and so that was you know surrender for me because I never made a conscious decision to surrender. Because once I understood that I was an alcoholic and I was in rehab, I have not my my attitude hasn't changed. It's I want to soak up every bit of information. I want to know. I want to hear as many people's stories as possible because I have this thing and, and there's nothing that's going to shake it from me. There's no amount of hoping and wishing. I did a lot of that. I did a lot of, I wish I could drink like my brother. Why can't I, why can't I drink like this person? But again, I never did to looked at the two and said, Oh, well, I'm, you know, it's because I have a problem with alcohol. Like I thought it was a problem with self-control. Sure. That's one of the things, but yeah, surrender for me wasn't actually a conscious decision, but, but looking back on it, that's the, you know, I've, and, and, when I've you know shared my story, that's usually this the part that that I relay because it was the first time I realized that I couldn't do this on my own. I didn't I didn't know what was wrong. You know, I hadn't been in the rooms. I I had never experienced anything like this. But I knew I couldn't do this on my own. I didn't know who I needed to get help from, but I knew I needed help. So it was um, it was for sure the the most powerful moment you know so far and and if i could just you know if we can make captain recovery shirts <laughs> that would be something i think merchandise wise i think maybe we I, that's later down the road but i think maybe that's something we should look it's into sponsored by right uh, <laughs> these gold stars i mean come on <laughs> you know as, as you guys were talking um what what came to my mind actually and, and something that i haven't thought of before is how how adverse i was to the concept of surrender when it came to me stopping drinking and drugging but every time i went back out and got a bottle of booze every time i went back out and got drugs i surrendered to the disease in terms of you know going back out I surrendered to what was then my higher power, you know, the, the bottle and, and the, yeah. the, uh, the drug, um, you know, and, and Ben, you, you touched on another thing, uh, acceptance. And for me, I think, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, you know, you, you can't really have that surrender moment until you accept that you have this disease. And so, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. You know, how, how did that go for you? Yeah, the, the well, I, the, the it, I, it was interesting the way you worded that, that, you know, you can't surrender until you accept. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's like a lot of things in, in the, at least, and again, I work, a, I work AA and it's, the, there's, um, you know, subjectivity, I think. Um, but for me, acceptance was the Saturday that I was in rehab, my first sat my first Saturday, and I uh, I was here. I was listening to, in the newcomer meeting, and 
and th this girl was sharing her story and it, it, it resembled my story not at all and yet she was telling my story and that's one of the things that I have found through and through that, that we are not terribly unique individuals when it comes to our the disease of addiction it follows a pretty similar uh, format in my experience and the um, you know so for me acceptance was how could she be telling my story and I don't even know her and the details of her story aren't the same and it makes sense now looking back on it when when you go into the big book or the basic text and and there's there's these guidelines for what we have and so for me it was that that Saturday was kind of acceptance for me um, that I that I had this thing and then the other and and it, but I, I should say that when I when I say I have this thing I, I take that from my sponsor Mike the very first time I talked to him he goes I he goes I don't know if you've got this thing like I've got this thing and for me I was like I didn't know what that meant and I was and and I found out now like oh yeah no I have addiction like he's got addiction, like you have addiction, like anybody that has addiction, you've, you've got it. You know, maybe your details are different. Maybe you didn't do drugs or maybe you didn't drink or whatever. It, they're all one and the same for me. So that was, it was pretty easy to accept that once I'm, for, I'm fairly transactional. Once you show it and now looking back on it, it's like, oh yeah, of course I'm an alcoholic. What was I thinking? Yeah, but, you're definitely transactional. I Rehab, you know, transaction for those those smokes, but you know, um, smokes left and right. <laughs> hey, you know, it's an art form. Let know? me read something that my sponsor said the other day. Actually, we talked the other day about uh, about this topic, and my sponsor talked, and I wrote it down. Like, and I'm paraphrasing because I thought about it after. So. He was talking about surrendering, not just being helpful for recovery and that we could all learn from it and that recovery is really very little to do with not drinking or not using and really about how you act and how you feel about yourself and others. But he said, surrendering is trying to control the uncontrollable and will only put you in a constant cycle of disappointment when you don't get your way. And then he said something about how this could lead to lead to like stress and anxiety and all this other stuff. But I was just, I thought that was uh, very insightful. And what's more uncontrollable than active addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol? I mean, trying to control that is just insanity. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the uh, one of the things that I you know heard in rehab and subsequently in the, all the therapy throughout was. The only thing that I can control is my reactions. That's, and the, you know, that's the only thing I have any control over in the entire world is how I react to any given situation. I can't control, you know, and anything else. And so for me, it, it that was kind of again fairly transactional. Like once I heard that, it made total sense. And, and kind of giving that up has been incredibly freeing. And uh, you know, like what your sponsor was talking about, Chris, this this you're I'm, I'm free of stress and anxiety over those things stress and anxiety doesn't go away it's part of life you know good things happen bad things happen stress happens but i'm not self-inducing that stress now which 
has been an unbelievably freeing gift that I've gotten, you know, in, in recovery so far. Yeah, I have to say I'm I'm trying to mitigate the amount that I am doing that because I am I am definitely uh, not perfect. So I, I don't want any listener to think any any of us are perfect. We are all uh, definitely an early recovery, but we're doing better, right? We we are, and we are definitely not perfect. We cannot. <laughs> no. Um, In fact, I I I heard I heard uh, somebody speak on Wednesday. She had 47 years. Wow. And she, and wow. she introduced herself as a seasoned beginner, and I was blown away. I was blown away. I said I said that is exactly it. She's like, I got today. And tomorrow, if I get tomorrow, I'm going to do it again. Isn't that and so then, impactful? Oh, it is. Somebody with that much time saying like, you're just, you have the same amount of time today as I do. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it, it goes back to that 24 hours a day concept. Um, I was actually just talking to a sponsee about this today. We, we just did our steps one, three, and three, one, two, and three. And um, it, it was talking about how, you know, we're, we're reborn every day. You know, the, the person who has the most amount of sobriety is the person who got up earliest. You know, I, I've heard that a lot out there. Yeah. Um, Chris, you know, we, we were kind of talking about how, um, or what I said was, you know, you can't have surrender, full surrender until you have acceptance. Um, you know, thinking about it, I could argue the other way around, you know, where I could theoretically surrender to this disease, but still not think I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict. What do you think? I'm going to go by definition. So I think acceptance, you can accept that you have an issue. You can accept that you have a problem. I think surrendering is the first step in recovery. So I, I think I accepted I had an issue well before I went to rehab, well before I started the process of recovery. I don't think I truly uh, surrendered until, what was it? Eight, well, you were, you were almost eight months, so probably eight months ago, you know, maybe eight months minus a week. We got there. <laughs> yeah, we got there pretty uh, similar times. We did, I but think. I, so that, that's kind of my thought on it. I think a lot of people can accept that their life's unmanageable, that whatever they're doing is not working. But until you actually surrender to the fact that you cannot control anything that you're doing under the influence or beat it or whatever, your recovery process won't start. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that. You know, I, I actually used to joke how, um, you know, I accept I'm an alcoholic as I was opening another beer or right. another drink, right. yeah. you know, and, and speaking of control, we, we don't really have control over anything. Like we said, kind of as we watch our producer matrix eat his taco and, uh, yeah, I just got back from IOP nice. and he's just shoving food around. Like, you know, it's nothing while he's just sitting there eating. I'm so jealous right now. Extra sour cream on that thing, I guess. Oh my goodness. Uh, did you pay the extra for the guac? <laughs> no okay oh you did okay good i got it so you know the, this is this concept of the beginning of our journey um you know if if you follow a 12-step program whether that be aa or na or any other 12-step program this this uh idea of surrender is really that first step 
Um, you know, and, and in Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks a little bit about how not only are we powerless, which is that surrender piece and that acceptance piece, but that our lives had become unmanageable. And that was one of the biggest pieces that I did not want to take home with me. I, I did not want to say my life's unmanageable. However, I have a part of my story where I was literally flying back and forth from New York City to North Dakota, first class, drinking scotch on my way to jail. If that's not unmanageable, <laughs> I don't know what is. You know, and so I, I didn't want to accept that, though. I did not want to think I was a mess. But if you ask anyone around me, hot mess or not, I was I was really unmanageable. So, you know, guys, talk to me a little bit about the unmanageability in your life. I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the, the only unmanageability. I have some, I have some doozies on this one. <laughs> yeah, the, the only unmanageability I'm witnessing right now is is our producer Matrix managing to keep the sour cream off of him while he eats his taco. Seriously dripping down his shirt. <laughs> I mean, I would say, I, I think I've shared some of my plain stories. You just spark some uh, humor. It's, it's kind of funny, like thinking back on your war stories now that they're, you're past it. But I used to work uh, in Omaha in Kansas City. So I would go out, basically be there for two weeks, fly back for a week, you know, and so on. They put you up in an extended stay hotel or, or an apartment. And I can't even count the times that I ran out of what I was using, would fly back, meet my dealer in the Newark parking lot, and then fly back. And I mean, I would fly with the amount that I would go to federal prison, probably. I mean, I could not see you federal jail. At yeah, all. <laughs> or federal jail. Like, I, I would literally, like, and at the time, just because I wore a suit, I thought that this was a normal thing. You know, having 200, 300 pills in your pocket, and oh, wait, that only lasts you five, six days. Like, that, that's just insane. Yeah. I, I remember you telling us a story in, in rehab where you, you were making these connector flights and, and meeting different dealers and trying to fly back and spending yeah. hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars on flights. Just oh, to and then expensing the flights. Oh! Because oh. I'd, I'd have to make up an excuse about, I mean, it's so horrible that I would say, but my father is kind of sick, but I would, I would blame it on visiting him. I mean, you do such thing. You do these things that are against every core value that you have. Looking back on it, yeah, right. And that's I think not the manageability. I don't know what is. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think the thing that that's interesting is that you know the unmanageability. The reason that I think it, it we struggle to get there is because we we rationalize it so well in the moment, you know. And 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 I I don't have any. I don't like flying, so I don't have stories about that. But, but you know, my manage my unmanageability. You know, I I for the past the last year and a half of my addiction, I, you know, drank. Uh, every time I went to the liquor store, I would get grab a couple of airplane bottles and drink them on the way home. You know, like there's just no part of that that makes any kind of sense. You know, but in the moment, 
it wasn't even thought of. Like it wasn't even, and that was, and the, the again, the the diseases, the illnesses is a progression. I started. How long is your uh, ride home? Oh, from the liquor store. Five minutes. Yeah, I, I know where you live, so it's yeah, it's not like you have an hour drive. <laughs> right, it's five. It's five minutes, and and right. and I would I mean, you try to get the one done in the parking lot, so you just throw it in the parking lot, you know, and. And and that that was only I'd only gotten to the airplane bottles because the the Budweiser Limeritas or whatever were just too conspicuous, mm-hmm. and it was like and that's literally. But again, looking back at it now, sure it doesn't make any sense. And so for me, my unmanageability was was as soon as I found you know I came to the, you you got to acceptance, and I, we started we read read the first four steps every night. The fact that I was in rehab at all, again, transactional, you're here, your life is unmanageable in some way, shape, or form. They put that number one for a reason, and everybody told you the steps are in order for a reason. And and so for me, it was kind of, you know, two plus two equals I'm an alcoholic because I'm in rehab, and, and my life is unmanageable. And now looking back, again, yeah, the war stories, it's, you know, I, I has, but again, I don't have many war stories because I was... I, I, I going back to what Jason said in the beginning, I, you know, like any good drunk, I was, I was an isolator. I didn't really want to drink with you because I didn't want you, I didn't want other people to know how much I was drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, the unmanageability for me was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty self-explanatory from at least for myself when I found myself in rehab and, and, and sharing, a, sharing a room with somebody I'd never met. It was like, wait a second. Oh, I guess, I guess my life was unmanageable. And it was. Well, I mean, you know, people don't go to rehab just for shits and giggles. You know, that's your life is unmanageable. You're surrendering at that point, you know, and and to your point about the airplane bottles and, and killing one in the parking lot, that doesn't make sense now. But that sure as hell made sense when we were out there. Right. In fact, I called that a Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it was our plan. One of one of the very things that that I, looking back on it, um, with COVID, and and I also found TikTok at the same time, and oh, everybody was like, oh, 10 o'clock on a Wednesday, might as well start drinking and working from home." And I'm like, "Welcome, welcome! To finally, you guys are here!" And now. COVID's not over, but, you know, I'm back on TikTok. And th- those things aren't there. And if I hadn't gone through through rehab and, and started the process of recovery, I would still be drinking it Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. And and that whole thing would have passed me by. And, and yeah, it, but when you're in the moment, this thing has such a hold, had such a hold on me. I, I could have justified anything. And you can justify expense accounts and lying about sicknesses and everything else yeah. because our mind just wants to be numb. Uh, my mind just wanted to be numb. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the hardest things that I had to accept, and I, I think just knowing you guys, you guys might feel this way too, is we or I was definitely functioning addict or alcoholic until at until at least I wasn't. Yeah. So for a very long time I was, and then I wasn't. Um, and just knowing you guys, I, I think you were in that position too. So it's it's definitely hard to accept that. And you know, a lot of the more and more people I meet, it's it's kind of that case. I mean, 
you know, everyone, if you think of the word uh, drug addict or alcoholic, you think of this destitute person under a bridge, you know, poor, whatever. That's honestly the rarity. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I encourage anyone that thinks they have an issue to get help in that sense. Yeah. You you talked about the functioning alcoholic, the function, functioning addict. Um, I, I always thought that I was that too, you know, but what was happening is that I wasn't, you know, a functioning alcoholic. I was drinking just to function just to get through my day. I literally had a bottle next to the bed so that I could get up and go to the, to the bathroom, go to the living room, you know, yeah, that's yeah. I, I think we were all there, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, hearing everybody's stories. And for uh, Jason, you take us out. I, I you know just want to touch on something you said about the journey before, and and you know that for me is what this is all about. Uh, this is you know this is about the journey. The uh, Somebody said in the in the big book, and, and Father found something better than gold. And you know, I thought about that. And you know, if I had a gold bar, what would I do with it? The gold bar doesn't do me any good unless I give it away. And for me, the gold the, the gold is, is the journey because when we're when I'm gone, it will it will be how, however I you know I go, it, it won't. It won't have made a difference unless I do something with the time that I have. And so for the journey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just trying to get to a point here in recovery. I'm not, you know, and I, and, and, and I hope that's the one thing we can get across to people that, that this is for the rest of my life and, and that's okay for as many days as I get, this is going to be for the rest of my life. And, and it's been, it's going to be eight months uh, in a couple of days and I can't tell you how, how many promises have come true so far. I can't, every, every cliche that we rolled our eyes at, you know, it was, they're, they're all true. And they've all been saying them since 1939. So, so I'm looking forward to it. Great. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate your honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness uh, today. Um, As always, each and every one of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering addict and alcoholic, as well as the ones who are going to pick up for the first time tonight. Thank you and have a great night. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.